welcome to the Two Eight Paranormal Podcast. My name is Monica. I also have Don here, who is our heart and leader of this group. Um, we are so happy to tell you guys about our house call experience that we had in Jerome. Um, we won't tell you the name of the um, owner of this house. We wanted to keep that um, to himself, but we'll just call him Jerome. <laughs> Um, so, Don, if you want to tell us a little bit about um, what he reached out to us about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we uh, got an email from Jerome uh, explaining that he was having some um, weird issues. Uh, at first, it started with his dogs in the middle of the night uh, waking up and barking, and he could hear whispering, um, and then he said that his um, like, uh, motion sensor lights were going off outside, um, as well as his cameras in his garage and outside, um, and he kept sending me little clips that I went through a few times and couldn't find too much until the last one, where, uh, for a brief second, it looked like there was a person, uh, in one of the videos, and so I told him he looked like he had enough validity for us to at least go out and, you know, check it out. Yeah, definitely. I saw, I mean, you sent me those clips, and, I mean, just the activity, the sounds that were going on, I mean, there was definitely, like, poltergeist, you know, type of movement, and, you know, for him to catch that, I mean, this was, like, happening at, what, like, middle of the night? Yeah, um, originally he told me it was, like, between 1 and 4, and then he changed that and said, no, 12 and 4, um... Because he got something at like 12.30 or something, and so he was like, I guess it maybe starts a little earlier. Yeah. I mean, what was really interesting, though, because um, we did a phone interview just for me to kind of feel out the energy is, it sounds like, you know, he was experiencing other things as well before he before Jerome moved to Jerome. Um, so that made it kind of a little bit confusing because I didn't know, you know, if this was going to be like some kind of attachment that he brought with him or like an item that went with him, because if I'm not mistaken, um, his dad had passed and he took ownership of his dad's car. So I was thinking maybe that had something to do with it because everything was happening in the garage. Right. And then, yeah, exactly. Like he parks the car in the garage. And so like, it was like, oh, well then it's probably something to do with his dad's car. Boy, yeah. were we wrong. Okay. Oh, we were so wrong. And I mean, you know, through the, the whole conversation, though, like, I didn't feel like any kind of bad vibes, but I definitely felt like there was enough, you know, evidence that he caught on his own to really just say, like, okay, let's go out there, let's check it out. Um, so we got our whole team involved. <laughs> um, well, most of our team. Most of our team wanted to come, but um, four of us went, so it turned out pretty good. Um what day did we go again? Uh, it was uh, Saturday. Um, was that the... I can't even remember what day of the month that was. It was like the I 9th? I think it was the 9th. Maybe, yeah. So we all went out there. We went out there earlier so we could just take a look at um, Jerome's place. And it looked like, you know, he was on Native American land. Um, so I definitely got a feeling that it could be something... Um, tied in with um, a Native American, although, you know, I was just kind of associating that with the land. I was a little, a little confused because I was like, is this something happening in the land and his house is on something 
you know, sacred, but it didn't feel like a super sacred spot. Um, but it really confused me because typically I can get a clear vibe about what's going on. Yeah, it was really strange. And like, I remember when we first were looking at everything in the backyard, it almost came in waves. It yeah. was like the ocean yeah. hitting you with energy. It was really weird. It was strange. I could feel like the differences just walking the yard because I because he did show us the house first, and then we walked the yard afterwards. But interestingly enough, though, uh, when we got there and we finished doing just that tour, we went to have lunch, came back. And you saw something, and I totally wasn't even paying attention. Yeah, um, actually, I was going to touch on something before that. Um, when we first were setting up, before we went to lunch, um, we ran the SB7 in one of the back bedrooms and started That's getting immediate right. response off camera, which is one of the reasons why I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, it's three in the afternoon. Um, yeah, because I was with you when we were doing that, and I'm like, okay, if it's just active now, we're totally going to catch it later. Right, and so then, uh, obviously, we went to lunch, and we come back, and you're right, I pulled in, and I backed into the driveway next to Jerome's truck, and uh, I had looked down at my phone for a second and was answering some sort of message or something, and I looked up from my phone, and the side mirror was, like, in my view, and I, something walked behind the car. So I looked up in the rear view and there's nothing there. Looked in the driver's side mirror, nothing was there. And so then, I, of course, I grabbed my walkie and asked you guys, because you were in front of me, and nobody else saw it. Um, I know, because, you know, Scott and I, Scott, uh, by the way, is our videographer. Um, Scott and I were just talking. We were just having a moment, just talking about whatever we were talking about. And, you know, I was looking at him, he was looking down or something, and so we totally missed it. And I was like, dang it, a one-time visual can happen right then and there. I missed it. Yeah, well, and what's really funny about that scenario is later, um, when we asked where the spirit was, it said car. Yep, And the other part that was weird about that was the image of said, like, apparition or entity that you could barely see, but was there, um, came from the exact same direction, like in the exact yeah. same spot. It so definitely interesting. I was kind of shocked, but, you know, so we got, you know, we waited until it got a little bit darker. We had that other interesting thing where, you know, we were getting ready to start actually doing the official investigation and we stepped out and you were like, or no, you stepped out first and you're like, there's a dog here. Oh yeah. The dog from the neighbor. Yes. And it freaked me out at first because his eyes looked so human. I thought, no way this is skinwalker. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. I just, I, the thing that kept going in my head was he was looking past you and past me and barking. And there was nothing was at the like, time behind me. All I know is I was like looking at him like, please don't be like a skinwalker. Like, I'm going inside. <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with this thing. Like, I got scared at first. And then, you know, when I took a moment to like ground, I realized I was like, okay, he is clearly scared of something with this house. <laughs> yeah, it was really strange. Um, and, you know, after he went home and... We had filmed our intro outside and all that stuff. Um, I think the, the most interesting thing was 
that it was so quiet for so long. Yeah. I mean, we got the REM pods to go off right almost right away as we started filming. And then it went dead. I mean, dead, dead. For hours. And it was, it was super confusing, because typically, you know, I'm able to really sense a spirit, you know, or talk with them. And in this case, like, this spirit, this entity did not want to say anything to me. Like, it wanted, it, it was weird because it felt like, you know, we weren't invited to the party, but, you know, the entity is kind of like, well, nah, I guess you're here then. But didn't even, like, acknowledge that I was there. Yeah, it was it was really weird. And then I I remember we, we put a, a REM pod in the closet, and there's nothing in the closet, obviously, other than mm-hmm. shelves. And all of a sudden, we're all sitting at the kitchen table, and we said something, and it responded by going off. Yeah, we were asking questions, weren't we? We were kind of like, we're not sure what's going on, we don't know what it could be, because what we were trying to find out was, who lived in this house previous to Jerome? Um, And from what we understood, Jerome had said that the house was empty for about a year. Right, um, that, that's correct. And then correct. we come to find out that he, there was one owner that we had to contact, um, our researcher, Dean. So I don't know if you want to tell a little bit about that, because I think you were reaching out to him when I was just trying to figure out <laughs> where this thing was at. Yeah, so I, I actually, what happened first, um, while you were absent for a minute, um, at, when we were at the table, I had asked Jerome if it was, um if we should basically pack up and go home or if he wanted us to try to stay longer or what. And I told him I had one more plan and he asked what that was. And I said, well, I can contact our researcher, which is Dean, and I could try to dig up everything there is on this property. And it probably wouldn't take him very long. Do you want me to try that? And he was like, you know what, let's go that route. So then I called Dean on speakerphone. I asked Dean to pull everything he can on the property. And he said, give him, like 10 minutes and it wasn't even 10 minutes it was like two and he just starts spouting details like you know the house was built in 1998 the original owner's name um which we we were given permission to disclose was dennis hopping um and so the story with dennis is that you know he had passed away of heart failure a week before he was supposed to have heart surgery and and then his son and daughter uh inherited the house um and the son sold it to Jerome. Well, uh, out of a last resort kind of idea, I ended up stepping outside and calling um, Devin uh, Hopping. And thanks to our researcher, he we had got his contact info. Um, and I told him who we were and you know what we were doing there. And he goes, well, let me stop you right there. And immediately I thought that our investigation was over and he was going to tell me to, you know... Uh, that it was inappropriate. Yeah, that it was inappropriate what I was doing, and obviously I got a different response. Um, he was, oh, my dad thought that place was haunted before he passed away, even, you know, and told us all this history about his dad, which I won't go into all of it here on our podcast, but you'll definitely see it in our video. But he, um, you know, he told us some valuable things about how his life was and how um, he was as a person, and uh, that he was Native American, and a bunch of other things that kind of solidified what we were already doing. Yeah, and then because of that call, because, you know, 
um, the son had explained, like they were experiencing that, then that's when I was like, I need to find where the portal of this house is to see if there's any activity coming in and out through that. And that was interesting in itself because I could not find it anywhere. Usually it's something like, you know, where a hallway's at and you can feel that change of energy or anything like that. I couldn't find it in any of the bedrooms. And, um, you know, this is a three bedroom house. There's one master bedroom, you know, I went in there, didn't feel nothing. I checked out all the closets and like, it was like empty, completely gone. Didn't feel it in the garage. And that's when I ended up in the crawl space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, another valid point to add here that's really strange is the only room we really got solid evidence in was 10 degrees colder than the rest of the house the entire day. Mm -hmm. Even with the heater on, the vents open and the windows closed. That was strange. Because uh, yeah. I it mean, it was I, really strange. I, I've seen, you know, a couple degrees variance for like the side of the house that's in the sun or something. But, like, 10 degrees all day, even with the heater running, that's something else. <clears throat> yeah, and the crazy thing, too, is, you know, I could sense when I was walking around the property that there was a portal somewhere. And I assumed it was in the house. But that same area in the back of the house where I sensed it, that ended up being in under the house. Like, underneath <laughs> the house, in this crawl space. Now, let me tell you. I, I'm not one for spiders, but I had to figure this out, okay? <laughs> and, I mean, it was a pretty, it was pretty interesting. I definitely got some cobwebs in my hair and got out of there, like, covered in dirt and who knows what. But I did find it. It was towards the back of the house, under the house, was sensing it outside. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Um, but it didn't really feel, at least to me, that it was like a super active, like anything really going in and out. So it's very likely, I mean, with the dad who passed, he had to have, you know, special gifts to just kind of sense a little extra than what I had. And maybe with the time that he's lived there, you know, he obviously became, you know, more in tune with that energy. Right, absolutely. And, you know, it was kind of interesting how... Um, that whole back area was where we got responses, and it was technically underneath those rooms. <laughs> I mean, imagine what we could have got if we were like by the portal. <laughs> right. But I don't think I don't think anybody else wanted to go down there with me. Well, they ended up going down there with you. I was the only one that didn't end up climbing down there. I mean, they didn't go that far back with me, though. I will say that. <laughs> It was only, what, Scott and Isaac that went down there, and then Isaac had enough. Scott stayed down to do some, I don't know if he was doing EVP or what he was doing, but I definitely was further back. I mean, I tried to crawl on my knees, but at that point, like, the ground just wasn't really level, so I was scooting on my butt because it was the only place I had the cushion. <laughs> just trying to get back there, but, you know, and then coming back out, and that's when I think – we got more information from um, the son. Yes, and uh, that led us into his career paths and a couple things uh, um, that definitely helped, like his normal schedule um, and things like that, that kind of helped figure out what his day-to-day -day was and why we were getting hot and cold. Um, mm -hmm. And also, his son said specific that he's a trickster, and if he knows we're there trying to investigate him, he will mess with us. And he did. he did, definitely. And 
after that point, oh, and his son also said he was arrogant. So we, after that point, when we kind of called him out, like, okay, we talked to your son, this is what he said, we started to get some interesting response. Um, He also gave us, I mean, he also gave us things that, you know, his dad really liked to do or liked to listen to. So that really created a lot of responses for us as well. Yes, absolutely. And then... We, so I learned something last night. This, this actually has to do with our investigation. So I'm going to bring it up. Um, the, uh, Ovulus five has a setting on it that uses EMF to give yes or no answers going back between red and green. Uh, it's called the true or false method on the actual device, but it does that. Well, do you want to, um, tell us a little bit more of this device for our listeners? So the Ovulus 5 um, is probably the cornerstone of most good paranormal companies now. Um, they, it, it, it can do a lot of different modes. Um, you know, it has a dictionary where spirits can select words and speak. Um, it has a true-false mode that I was just explaining. Um, it's got a drawing mode that can actually take electromagnetic energy and draw on the screen. Uh, so if you have an entity in front of you... Um, it's kind of interesting. I haven't really tested that yet. Um, and then um, it's got a phonics mode, which basically uh, phonics it uses non-dictionary related speech uh, and gives you words, but it speaks it so that if you, like for instance, are talking to something in a different language like Spanish or uh, slang or something else, it'll talk to you so you can hear what it's saying, but it's not in the English dictionary. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the modes. There's a lot of them. Uh, so basically, this is like the jack of all trades, like equipment. Right, and I mean, and that's why it costs so much money. I mean, they're six hundred dollars. Uh, so I mean, it really, I mean, because of what it can do, and has been proven to work for so many different shows and uh, YouTubers, you know that. That's really why it's so much money. But, I mean, it's yeah. it's an amazing asset for our team, and I'm glad we got one. Um, and, you know, we went through our test phase last night with it, which is why I tested the true-false, um, because I really was interested in the fact that we did basically the same thing, but with an actual EMF reader. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen anyone on any show or YouTube channel or anything use the ovulus or uh, an EMF reader to do yes, no. And I mean, there was a good reason why he was even using that as a form of communication with us. Right, right. Absolutely. So I, I didn't want to really spoil too much in the podcast of what his profession was and lead more into it, but right. He used one in his daily life, um, a professional mail meter. So he knew, what that device was, and he was familiar with it, which made it easier for him to use, I think. Um, and I believe he actually answered that. I think we asked that. I believe so, yeah. I believe we did. Um, so I think, uh, you know, the the amazing part is uh, the fact that during this session that we, uh, you know, we had uh, trying to communicate, getting these yes-no answers, was that the energy being pulled from... Everyone, pretty much, the home, the homeowner, Jerome, fell asleep in a chair in the kitchen. And Isaac yeah. <laughs> was on the floor, almost asleep. 
uh, like it was unbelievable how much energy was getting pulled. Uh, we went through three well, camera Scott batteries. Got sick. Oh yeah, I know. Scott got nauseous, and we went through three camera batteries. That's never happened before. Like, I mean, it just—I mean, it just speaks to the fact that you know there was a reason for this entity to want to communicate. Oh, absolutely. And so, I mean, I think the part that we we should actually talk about a little bit is. And I won't go into detail, obviously, here, but, you know, when you get yes and no answers for such a long period of time, uh, like we did, uh, you know, I don't remember exactly how long it was now, I think 40, 45 minutes, you know, um, that's incredible response. You, you know, you talk about intelligent response from an entity, uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't get much better than that. And just to be able to, like, hold enough energy to stay in communication, you know, and, you know, I'm not as familiar with these tools. I usually use, um, my own shamanic gifts for this, but I mean, this definitely was validating a lot of the things that I'm like feeling and noticing. So, I mean, these tools I really find is really useful. Yeah. And I also thought it was cool that when we called his son and put his son on speakerphone as part of the actual question answer section or whatever we were doing, um, that it moved closer to the phone and sat between us. It sat like, between us. It sat between us. Yes. That was amazing. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. Like that was like, I think all of us in that room really just, I think we probably all shed a little tear. Honestly. <laughs> oh I, yeah. I, I mean, Scott was holding back, trying not to cry. <laughs> Like, I mean, we were definitely in a family conversation as well. Like, there was uh, questions being asked that were that were important to both Devin and apparently Dennis as well about their family, um, you know, and what happened before and what's happening now currently in their family. And so it was, it's really amazing that we were that, that conduit between the two or, you know, medium mm-hmm. between them. Um and uh i mean we really got to experience what the relationship and their bond was like you know and see that and you know i think just that experience it was it was not even just closure it was just like that validation that you know dad is still here with you he's still listening to you he's still you know looking out for you you know and that was that was kind of nice because i think some of us you know when we lose somebody you know, we start to feel really alone and really down and, you know, you want to talk to someone and, you know, you don't know that they hear you. And this was like a really good moment for Devin to know that his dad is hearing his thoughts and, you know, the questions that he's asking or, you know, the things that he's struggling with or even just saying hi and I miss you. Like, you know, dad is there listening. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I don't think I um, told the team this story or not. Uh, I was on the phone at one point with Devin and his wife, um, and I was out in the garage looking for the uh, attic entry. Mm-hmm. And Devin told me that he grew up with his dad having a jet boat. And they went out on it all the time, and when he passed away, he gave the jet boat to Devin. Well... Oh. Well, that's not even the most interesting part. Um, he had the shifter replaced with a hollowed-out shift knob, 
and poured his da- dad's ashes into the shift knob to take him with oh, him on the boat rides. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So him and they can still have their boating trips together absolutely and so that when you when you were talking about you know you know being really close as a family i mean i don't think anybody knew how close they really were so um but i mean that's just uh, yeah that's just so oh my gosh yeah it's so unfortunate that like we didn't get that on camera but i thought maybe i would put that here um so that at least people could hear that because it was it, it was really an emotional roller coaster that night. Um, it really was. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it anywhere or on any program or heard even like this level. Um, and uh, I don't want to ruin anything, but I, I will say there will be a part two to this. Um, yes, definitely. <clears throat> I think, you know, I think we all really want to share what our experience was like. Because I think everybody was feeling the emotions and, you know, and I think the emotions were just like this, these happy joys of tears. I mean, I, I think all of us became really squishy in that room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I feel a little bit, um, uh, I, I feel for Jerome because afterward, I think he was a little discouraged uh, and also not discouraged. I mean, you know, he was happy that he wasn't crazy because, I mean, that was a big deal. Right. But I think he was a little I mean, discouraged. You know, it was hard. It was hard because, you know, we came out there with a purpose, you know, thinking that maybe it could be something bad and him wanting to do a removal. But this wasn't like a something that needed, you know, an extraction or a cleansing. This was something of learning how to coexist. Right, right. And also... You know, it's funny that you say that because we'll touch on that on another episode um, of our podcast about the house that did need an extraction. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it Which is was totally different. I mean, and you know, that's the thing that, you know, I have to stress as, you know, working um, with spirits and, you know, me being able to do like removals or clearing, not all instances need something like that you know like if it were something to do with the land and you know the tribal nations that you know were on that land i'm not going to smudge that off the land that those are the ancestors that belong on that land that's not my right to do that you know so if i don't feel that something is you know malicious or malevolent in any way like that's not something that i'm going to remove you know, it's just sometimes you have to coexist because the spirit world is there, you know, it's out there. And I mean, you know, think about how would you feel if, you know, someone said, well, I'm kicking your dad's spirit out of this the place that he loved the most. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and, you know, the funny part is when we had talked to the son, Devin, he had said that if his dad said he would never leave that house. And, you know, uh, the only thing I think that needed really to happen for Jerome to be happy, which I think we really need to check in with him, is that his dogs weren't woken up in the middle of the night. Yeah. I mean, I did give some things. Um, I did have some native tobacco, um, seeing as uh, Dennis was Native American. You know, I gave him some native tobacco to see if he could just 
you know, give it as like an offering of like, hey, we both love this place, we both love this house, I want to be able to coexist together in a way that's mutually respectful to each other and, you know, take care of the home. And yeah, I definitely think I'd really like to check on Jerome to see how that's going. Um, Because of course, you know, we still want him to be comfortable too. He lives there, his dogs live there. But I mean, the, the best thing about this is the guy was harmless. Like he, there's no instance where I would be worried about the dogs that live in Jerome's house. Like there's nothing that makes me worry that something, you know, bad could happen to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It wasn't uh, malevolent at all. No, not at all. I mean, you know, granted, like, you know, Devin said that, you know, he was arrogant. He did say he also was a man with a really good heart. And I do believe that. I mean, you know, you guys will see it in our footage of the connection that father and son had. I mean, that you know that guy had a big heart. I mean, from my understanding, he was just really private and mostly shared his love with his close ones, with the people that were closest to him. Right. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, that if they could coexist and, you know, whatever, that it would be a very peaceful, probably helpful entity to have, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, they did have a, quite a bit in common, uh, of what they do for a living and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I think that they would coexist pretty well, um, <clears throat> and you know, the, I don't, again, I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, the fact that, uh, Dennis, before he passed away, and his girlfriend were trying to contact something in the house already, trying to figure out where that portal was, because they believed there was one, you know, is pretty amazing. Like, the fact that he stayed to maybe even protect that new homeowner. Exactly, and that's, that's the other thing. I would hate to remove something that clearly is protecting an area and possibly cause even more damage to, you know, Jerome being there or to his dogs. I mean, every every home has a portal, you know, and sometimes they're super crazy active and some bad things can really come through. I mean, I had that experience growing up in my childhood home. And as much as I've grown to be more confident, I don't know that I can confidently walk back into that home yet. Uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I totally understand that. Like, I didn't touch on this during my introduction or anything, but there was a house that we went into that was actually a friend of our family's that bought it, and it was in upstate New York, and uh, it was uh, a nightmare. Uh, like, I mean, just pulling away one day in the driveway, we saw a shadow lady in the, in the window, like full bodied apparition. Um, and when we looked up the, the story on this house, uh, there was a murder suicide. Um, and, uh, the original wood floors had blood stained in them. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I, I, maybe I never told this story, but, uh, the um the banister at the top of the stairs like in the center because it had like a dual staircase where it split um and so it went right and left and then when you got to the very top landing there was like a middle railing well that middle railing actually had uh it all had been repainted but it had uh marks from where the rope was where the guy hung himself 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, just an unbelievably tormented house, you know, and yeah. um, they um, they had two wells on the property, one that was actually pumping water to the house, and then one that they had closed off and put out like a planter on top of, and like made this huge like a gazebo-like thing in the back with like um, all these flowers and covering the well and whatever, well... We had the water company out one day, and they had to pull the, the lid off of it. And, I mean, the smell that came out of this well Ugh. was ungodly. Um, so we actually called out. They, they ended up calling a hazmat team for the water company. Um, and they tested the water and then found human remains. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was a nightmare. Uh. <clears throat> um, but, yeah. So, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, some houses have bad things, and... Some don't. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's just, you just really never know. And, you know, that's why I try to take things, you know, seriously and try to be really respectful when I come in. And, you know, when we share on the other podcast, <laughs> that'll be definitely interesting a house call to share with you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was a little wild, too. But yeah. not all homes are going to have that. All homes are going to have, you know, a portal there. My childhood home, I mean, gosh, that. That was crazy. I mean, there there was nothing good in that house to really keep us protected. I mean, this thing was active. I mean, I just remember being tormented so many times as a child. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to walk back into that house. Like, I have no reason to be there anymore. Like, you know, I, I feel sorry for whoever bought that house. Like, hopefully they're they're good to go or sell it to someone else who who enjoys that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I probably, we should probably look into my childhood home, actually. I'd like to know, because I don't think I've ever really researched to why that could possibly be happening. Well, I guess we have some descended in again. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, and I mean, if anything, I want to thank Dean because his research really helped us out a lot on this call. Oh, absolutely. If it wasn't for Dean, like we wouldn't have got anywhere. I mean, that would have been the end of the night, I think. And I think so. And the the fact that we got as far as we got and spoke to the son and you know, he got so involved and then obviously, you know, um, even communicated, uh, I mean, that was just amazing. And he wasn't even surprised. No, like, not at all. Like, he wasn't even surprised when you called and reached out. Like, he was like, I, I was, I guess, assuming that at some point this would happen, just yeah. not tonight. <laughs> yeah, he said something like that. He was like, uh, I knew someday somebody would call. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Tell me more. Spill the tea. Yeah, like, how did you know? Like, I mean, did you expect there to be paranormal investigators, like, searching your old dad's house? Like, I'm confused did here. You plant, did you plant something? Was this something that you were, like, plotting this whole time? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so interesting that, like, his response. And, you know, uh, he's a, v a very, very nice person as well. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm really glad that they gave us permission uh, to publish everything. Um but I'm, I'm shocked, too, at the same response. Like, how much they knew and how much, you know, they were involved with and everything else. So, uh, it's kind of interesting. Like, he, he was telling me that they, they used a Ouija board at one point, uh, you know, uh, to try to communicate. They used crystals. Uh, 
um, what is it, uh, Obsidian? Yes, I believe they said they used Obsidian, but I think it was more so the girlfriend that was really pushing this. Well, that part, but he, I guess, was, uh, spent the last 20 years of his life, um, trying to have, uh, trying to learn, I guess, or I'm not exactly sure how this works, uh, to become a shaman in his Native American tribe. You're right. So he was already on this um, uh, astral journey. Well, you know, the thing is, like, training for something like that, like, part of the training is really just protecting ourselves as well, too. Like, you know, I, I would assume that, you know, if you're doing 20 years of, you know, learning you know, all your tribal secrets and things like that. I mean, I can't imagine that in that whole time that he wasn't trained for some kind of protection or anything like that. So, I mean, I would have to assume that it was the girlfriend that probably didn't do a very good job at, like, putting any kind of protections in place for their home. Like, I don't know her background. You're right, and I I don't either. And uh, Devin said he's been out of contact for a while. Um, right. so he didn't either and didn't have any contact info. Um, you know, at some point I think I would like to get maybe her name and try to reach out to her too. Um, cool. you know, so we can try to maybe, maybe kind of cross some more T's and dot more I's. Um, cause I, it would be interesting to kind of know like what she knew at that time. I mean, she lived with him. Yeah. And if they were doing this kind of stuff, I mean, maybe that'll bring even more clarity, although, you know, we do need to check in with Jerome to see how he's doing since our investigation. Yeah. I mean, if everything is all and well, then, you know, then we don't really need to know anything for the fact that we just want to know background. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll spoil a little bit here. And also because uh, in our part two that uh, Devin is going to come up here and try to communicate with his dad in the house. Um. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and of course, Jerome gave him permission, which was really awesome, and he didn't need to do that. Um, so I'm I'm kind of impressed with everyone involved. Um, I think it was a great, great night, and we got evidence that I've never seen before. Um, you know, I mean, actually, both of our house calls, too. I mean, again, I won't ruin anything, but, like, the... The things that happened even to you in the, in that other house, uh, mm-hmm. and the name calling and everything else was just incredible. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what can I say? I'm a popular gal. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you either love me or you hate me. I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's that's part of it. I mean, you work in the spirit world. I mean, there there are things out there that are not as kind. You know, and that's just something that I've had to really learn, you know, growing up with. And, you know, I I feel like I'm in a place that I'm more comfortable where if I run into those situations that I can hold my ground and, you know, just keep on moving forward and do what I got to do. You know, that's, that's what I am. Yeah. And now be service of the community. Now if we can just convince your sister to go with us. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I mean, she definitely has her own gifts and you know I don't think my sister would ever go to any of the house calls per se because she's not sure she'd run into something you know um, malevolent forces but she'd probably go to something I mean she went to 
the Idaho pen. So yeah, you know I what mean, she sure you know what. You know what she should come with, do with, with us? She should come to Jerome Part 2. Yeah. Because that I one... I'm trying to talk to her to that. Yeah, that one, I think, if we if we take Go Back Out with her, I think would be a a good experience, but also it's not malevolent in any way. So right. I, I think it's right. peaceful enough for her. Yeah, because when her and I are together, I mean, it, things happen. It's... I don't know if it's just their bond, but I mean, coming from the same bloodline of really like powerful shaman women, I mean, it makes sense that together, you know, we're stronger. So we've, we've experienced a lot growing up and, you know, even as we were older, I mean, even now, like sometimes we get people that pop into the apartment and, you know, her and I will joke around like visitor, (laughs) (laughs) you know, You know, they don't usually stay, and, you know, when it is something bad that I'm getting rid of, you know, I'll tell them, like, you don't do dishes, you don't pay the rent, you got to do something if you're going to hang out here, and it's got to be something that contributes to the household, like, where's the rent, where's the money, where's the groceries, did you cook for me, take out the trash, (laughs) (laughs) and then they never stay, I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I mean, have you tried? Too much to ask. Have, have you tried giving it a sock and seeing if it sets it free? <laughs> I don't know if you really want to set things like that free. <laughs> I just had to put the Harry Potter reference in there. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Demon Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a fair statement. Just, I'm just saying, I mean, although, you know, maybe they prefer a blood offering, but it's not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll figure yeah. out which team member we can sacrifice. <laughs> Who's the weakest link? Who's <laughs> the weakest link? <laughs> well, you know, we just have to be faster than the other. Like, <laughs> it's like a zombie horde now. <laughs> all I think oh of is God. all I think of is that scene from Zombieland where he's running across the field and the fat guy falls over. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, let's hope it doesn't ever come to that because I don't know if we'll have enough listeners for our podcast. Well, that and two of our team members are highly asthmatic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, then it's fine. I don't necessarily have to be faster than that. I just have to be sure that I can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, like, throw them in albuterol. <laughs> right? Well, and, you know, actually, that's, that's a funny point that you brought up. Um, we, we've been to quite a few places, you know, cemeteries, um, you know, uh, famous places. I won't list them because, you know, our episodes aren't out yet. Um, but... You know, I've noticed that certain specific places, they need their inhalers more. And I just made that connection now. Uh, but That can make sense, yeah. But, you know, Isaac was with us, and he, he's asthmatic when we went to Jerome, and he didn't use it once. I don't think he even took it out of the car. Hmm. Um, but I do remember us going to uh, Canyon Hill um, at one point. Um, not the night we went, but another night, uh, we went to Canyon Hill, 
uh, actually, uh, not just our group. We had guests with us at that time, and um, it was before you joined, actually. Um, yeah. And he was like, like looking at like a lollipop almost. It was in his mouth all night. And <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but just like a lollipop like, okay. I, I mean like it was so constant like it was insane like I, I don't mean, even think it's just happen. I mean you know sometimes I have to think you know it might not necessarily mean like a spiritual thing like are you someplace that has more allergens outside it's dusty you know um I tend to aspirate a lot because I have a crazy post-nasal drip, you know. Actually, on the way back, driving back from Jerome's, um, like, right when we got into town, I was talking to Scott and literally just aspirate on all this freaking nasal drip that just comes down. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, it's fine. I'm just dying a little. (laughs) So, who knows? Maybe it's just, you know, the area that you're in, if it's an allergen, but... I mean, there are things out there that can make you sick, you know? I mean, that's pretty much what, like, demons do, for instance. You know, they oppress you. They put you in this state where, you know, you get disconnected from the things around you. You stop eating. You you know, you get really weak. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, certain energies, entities, (laughs) um, like, seem to, like, pull from, you know, normal things like your phone or the camera batteries or whatever. And then other entities, all they do is pull from you. Not this gal. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I, you and I, I think are the only ones on the team that they can't pull from. I think we were the only ones in that other house call that did not really feel anything. You know, no. besides the fact that, you know, I did put protections on all of us. Um, but you and I were feeling fine. Everybody else was getting into like headaches and things like that. But, you know, I, I think that's, that's a really good point to, to bring up. You know, if you guys are going to be out there investigating things, you know, work on really like protecting your energy. I mean, you really don't want to be getting sick or getting headaches. I mean, especially because, you know, we're all trying to enjoy ourselves at the same time we want to see the scary we want to validate that there are things out there that can't be explained with just you know science or whatever you know it's just really protecting your energy i mean i i don't go out of the house without protecting my energy in general because if i did that i mean by the end of the day i just feel like i'm close to death (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, at least, uh, you know, it would be a hop skip from talking to more entities. <laughs> I mean, fair, I mean, but I mean, I could do that, too, anyway, I mean, it's, it right. is what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's, you know? you know, something that, you know, we'll have to look at as a team, because, like, I, I couldn't believe how we found Jerome in his house, like, he was he was in the chair with his head over the back of it backwards, passed out with his mouth open. Like, oh I mean, gosh. he was knocked out, uh, which I thought I was... I didn't even see that. Where was I? Was you... I still in the crawl space? No, you were still in the bedroom. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, uh, I was the first one in the kitchen, so I got to see it all. <laughs> you know, but you know, what's really cool is I, I really have to thank the house owner, though, for letting us come in there and 
doer thing and just be really patient with everything. And, you know, I, I appreciate that he's like, well, I can understand why, you know, we can't do a removal. I just want to be able to sleep at night and my dog, you know, and just for him to get that kind of validation. Cause I mean, he even said, he's like, I swear I thought I was going crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that, you know, we could validate that he's not versus like being like, well, we can't find anything and you might want to get your pipes checked or something. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like we should question everything. Like even though I'm coming from a spiritual background, I'm always going to look at the mundane things, like to be sure that that's not something that's really happening and you should question everything. And he wasn't wrong for questioning that, you know, and it's really awesome that he was able to find us. Um, what, where did he find us at? Was it our page? No, he, he answered our Craigslist ad and emailed us. Okay. Um, which, which actually is also where our other house call came from. That seems to be a good place for us for now. Um, you know, to, to get those, um, cause I mean, we're two for two right now, which, yeah. you know, it's kind of interesting because, um, I, I won't, again, I won't go into too, too many details, but the first house we had so many like, um, um, like cancellations that like Scott was yep. even skeptical of even going. He's like, yeah, I think it's BS now. And I was like, I don't think so. And sure enough, it turned out not to be at all. So, you know, uh, I, I think that's a good platform for that. Um, I think we did, you know, got, you know, good results that way, um, for, for this specific purpose. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if Facebook would help reach out more, you know, like we, now we have, so I don't, I don't know if you even know this, uh, we don't just have our Facebook group. We also have a Facebook page out there now too. Yeah, the business page. That was yeah. the newest one that we added was the business page. Correct. So hopefully we can get that out there a little bit more. I mean, I know that there probably will be times that we'll get calls that are just bogus and not even real or whatever. But even if they weren't, we're still going to thoroughly investigate to determine something. Oh. If it's nothing, it's yep. nothing. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, um, people can find... All of our stuff, everywhere. Like, uh, we just added uh, Apple Podcasts now, too. So we're not just on Spotify anymore. Um, you know, I'm working on doing some of the other platforms, like Google and stuff like that. But I guess we have to do them all individually, so it's taking me a little bit of time. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're we're trying to hit every social platform. So, yeah. uh, you know, and each platform has something different to say. Like, this podcast is different than what we posted on Facebook. And what we posted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you don't look at them all, you're not going to get all the pieces. Right. <clears throat> I mean, that just makes our listeners be investigators, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's what yeah. we, we really definitely want. We want inclusive members. You know, there's other paranormal companies out there who have to embellish in their storytelling just to get people to watch. And that's not us. I mean, it's fun to watch, but that's definitely not us. I think... You know, our group is unique in the way that we really want to keep it real. Like, we don't want to have to embellish things or CGI anything into anything, you know, because we're not trying to debunk. We're trying to validate things and 
help out, where we can help out with house calls, and, you know, like, I, I'm not going to waste my time and energy just to, like, embellish something, like... I can do that in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, like, you know, it's kind of cool that, like, we're getting the, these cool, cool evidence that, like, any paranormal investigator out there would love to have their hands on. And we have this evidence, and we didn't embellish any of it. And, nope. you know, uh, these other companies, even big ones, have to embellish a little story that means nothing. It wasn't even part of their investigation. You know, uh, like, uh, that's kind of sad, but I mean, you know, whatever, that's their hustle game, I guess. <laughs> well, and you know, uh, I, someone, I understand the, the point behind it, you know, uh, they're trying to get people to watch through the boring history, but you don't have to make it boring history. And I think no. we have found a way not to do that and, uh, that we can share the history of places with people and also, you know, give them the real true facts like this house, which... Um, we've named the Hopping House. And, guys, when you see this footage, I mean, even I'm shocked at some of this stuff, and I've been experiencing stuff like this for a really long time and have trained to be able to experience stuff like this for a long time. So, I mean, this was definitely, you know, I mean, I've only been on the team for, what, like three months now? Well, yeah, something like that. Something like that, like not even that long, and already in the two things that I've really done with you guys, I mean, we got some big stuff that happened, and I'm like, wow, okay, I can do this. I guess I am going to run into a lot of stuff doing it this way. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny because it, like we we did a lot of admin stuff for a while, and we're building our social platform. And we were scheduling our bigger investigations for, our, you know, our actual season one. And all of a sudden we got slapped with everything at once. Um, you know, and then the house calls. And, you know, so we've been doing, like, investigation after investigation really quickly. Um, which yeah. uh, is an, another thing we can spoil, I guess. So we're going to be doing Edwards Greenhouse here shortly in Boise. Um, so that's going to be a cool... Uh, uh, experience, pretty big property over there, a lot of history. Because it was, because some people don't know whether or not that's haunted, right? Yeah, so that one's an interesting one. Like, I mean, that deserves its own episode probably, but, um, you know, when we went over there and kind of looked it around, you know, like we do for everything, uh, right. you know, the staff was really confused in certain parts. They were like, what? This place is haunted? And, you know, was really confused why we were there. And then there's the other staff members who were like, I'm so glad they called you. I come in at 530 in the morning and this happens. You know, and we're like, well, that's polar opposites. Okay. Um, you know, and so I'm really glad that the owner actually is who reached out because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know which generation she is, but she's like fourth or fifth or something generation down that's owned the place in the same family. So, uh, she you. has the stories back a lot further, and that's really where this starts to roll. You know, once we get to know what really happened, like, like it worked for the Hopping House. You know, we found yeah. out when it was built, who lived there first. You know, that, that's really where the story starts. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the thing is, too, like, I think sometimes some people don't even realize that they're seeing something that is paranormal because it might be something they've grown up with this entire time and never thought that it could be 
anything strange or spooky. It's just their normal everyday life. I mean, that's the way I was growing up for quite some time until, you know, I was like getting bullied because people were like telling me, oh, you're, you're kind of crazy. <laughs> like, well, well, yeah. And okay. You, you know, that's the thing that I've always wondered, like, you know, uh, these kids that have like imaginary friends and they're like, who are you talking to? And they're like, oh, so-and-so. And, you know, the parents like, okay. And, you know, parents blow it off as it's imaginary. What if none of those were imaginary? Like, I'd have to think that, it, you know, I'm sure there are times where it is, but, you know, as kids, we're more open to a lot of things. And that's yep. what we're most in touch with our spiritual gifts. You know, we, we haven't been conditioned by what society expects of us, what things that you shouldn't talk about, what you should keep a secret, you know. And you didn't have that inner critic, your inner dialogue that would tell you, like, no, this isn't normal, or you're seeing things, or you should be scared of this stuff. Like, we are just, you know, so pure at that point. I mean, there were things, like, I look back now where I'm like, oh, that was actually scary. How did I just stand there like it was nothing? Well, and <laughs> absolutely. And the, the other thing, too, is, like, you know, go back even 50 years and talking about ghosts in your house made you crazy, you know, but... Oh, yeah. Like, insane asylum. Instant insane asylum. Yep. And, like, you know, then you look at, you know, what happened and what made television was, I mean, and, and I'll give the credit where it's due, Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, mm -hmm. were the first really publicized, um, you know, uh, paranormal investigators and demonologists. And, you know, then you got TV shows that started to follow later, like Ghost Hunters. Um, right. you know, and I think that was the first mainstream one and then ghost adventures followed and, you know, um, then there's, you know, destination fear and a bunch of other ones, um, uh, which are all really good shows. They all have their different spin. Um, right. yeah, definitely. You know, and the, the cool part for, for me, for the big shows, you know, like ghost hunters or ghost adventures or destination fear is they go to places in every state by you. So, you know, if you're listening to our podcast in Florida or New York or wherever you're from, you know, those shows did the same thing. You know, like we're right now only doing Idaho uh, for the first couple seasons um, mm -hmm. and then we're going to travel too. But, you know, these people, they got to travel and do the show in other places. And when they hit Idaho, it's like, oh, I want to go watch all four episodes that are just about Idaho. You know, <laughs> and, and we have. I mean, I... Yeah. You know, and then, you know, the same thing applied. Like, we were planning one of our other seasons for out of state, and I was like, oh, hey, there's an episode on this place, there's an episode on this one, you know, so we could see a little bit of what we were going to hit before we got there. Right. You know, right. and uh, that's a really cool experience, you know, for that. And, but again, that doesn't apply to house calls. A lot of times, like this one, no one else will get this experience. Exactly. Uh, I mean, unless you're the one living in there <laughs> to experience. <laughs> right. You know? Right. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's really where the experience comes from. And, you know, you know, I'm happy that we were able to be, you know, that those people to be able to, like, validate these things. You know, because, again, you know, they're probably saying, we must be crazy. Like, we can't talk about this stuff. I mean... Luckily, I don't think we really put anybody in the sane asylum, but now I'm starting, like, now that we're talking about this, I'm like, well, maybe now that's why they're 
these old ones are haunted because you guys kept telling them that they were crazy and now they're like, I'm about to show you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, that's really funny. I'm crazy? Well, <laughs> I'm about to show you. Now, when you guys try to come here, <laughs> I'm going to show you what it's like to hear screaming down the halls. <laughs> well, it's really funny you that know? you say that because... Um, one of the asylums is on our, our trip list for season five, uh, which yes. is supposedly the most haunted asylum in the country, uh, which is Pinehurst or Penhurst. I'm not sure exactly how you say it correctly, gotcha. um, in Pennsylvania. And last year they actually had, um, the like, uh, like horror con at that, uh, site. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I didn't know so about it. coming out soon here? So, we have a Boise Horicon, yes. Um, okay. It's in the summer. Um, but I think this is called something else. I think it's called Paracon. Okay. Um, which is, um, it's actually, like, Go Stop. Um, they, they sell equipment. Um, not to give them a plug or anything, but... Um, <laughs> uh, they sell equipment and, um, actually, uh, really good equipment. Uh, I believe Bill Chappell is the one who invented most of the things, even that we use, like the Ovulus. Um, okay. and, um, so they have, like, a booth set up inside the asylum, and different paranormal companies do, and then they have a stage set up where guest speakers from some of the more famous shows come and talk, um... And, uh, so the, it's open to the public. You can buy tickets as a regular person too. Um, but you can also buy them as a team. And so your team can go in and actually hear from, you know, um, Zach and Colby or, um, exploring with Josh or, um, you know, uh, some of the people from ghost hunters or, you know, whoever. Um, and, uh, so they, they have, like, this big expo thing, and uh, they change the location all the time. But I think, from what I understand, the East Coast is the prime hit for those. And I'm gotcha. assuming because the oldest part of our nation's history is over there. Right. I would love to get out over there in the East Coast. Like, Salem, please, please bring me there. <laughs> oh, so Salem, you already know, but Salem's on our list, but... See, the one for me... Oh, I'm already getting goosebumps just about that. I haven't even said it yet. Jeez. Ugh, uh, no. Is the Conjuring House. The Conjuring House is a thing. Oh, I already got goosebumps with you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to see the Amityville House. Um, I, I think that's an important one. Because uh, there's so much controversy, even with uh, the Warrens, about whether it was... Um, actually haunted, or just the people using the house as an excuse? <laughs> I mean, I definitely like to check that out. I, I'm not, I don't want to, like, agree whether or not the Conjuring house is on my list. I mean, I'm, I'm just for the ride along at this point. <laughs> because, you know, there's the story about if you say that you're, that's where you want to go. Well, so, okay, I, now I have to tell a short other story because you said that. So, our group inherited a Ouija board at the same time this is all happening. So, we can't That's verify. The Ouija board that you showed me. Yes. So, we can't verify if the Ouija board is the problem or the fact that we all agreed to go to the Conjuring House. However, <laughs> after we agreed to all go to the Conjuring House, things started happening. 
Uh, and we <laughs> we had lights flickering, uh, footsteps, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, um, we actually have pictures of the EMF meter after a belt flew off and hit the floor, which I called you about. Um, yeah. Well, isn't, it, isn't the story that when you say that you want to go see it, it comes to visit you first? Oh, I just got goosebumps. Yes. <laughs> so, it's so funny. Uh, so Sam and Colby went, um, and uh, Ghost Adventures has been there. Um, there's a couple other ones, and all of them have said the same thing, and, like, ominously. They were like, we can't tell you what we mean by this, but if you agree to go see the house, it comes and visits you first. I want to know what they yeah. mean. But I think we already figured out what they mean, but, you know... Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there for that experience. Again, I haven't said whether or not I agree to this. I guess if I'm on the road with you guys and you happen to pull up, I guess that's where I'm at. Have you watched Destination Fear? I have not. I have not. So that's what the um, show is. This guy and his <laughs> sister go all over the country to these haunted places with their cameraman, who is one of their friends. And... He literally doesn't tell them where they're going, and they get in the RV, and they just go to somewhere haunted. Oh my gosh. So that's it's kind of... Much, I mean, that's pretty much how I've been since I've joined you guys, where I'm like, alright, cool. I mean, I, I should do a little bit more research, but for me, you know, I'm like, I, I don't want to have, like, any kind of influence to what I'm sensing when I go into things. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's some exceptions, like, I mean, obviously we've done quite a bit of research, which you're getting some of now, uh, for the pen mm -hmm. before we do our, you know, official lock in there. Um, because you know, there's, there, there's some things we have to know stepping foot in there. Um, exactly. which they really respected us for that. Um, but you know, like there's, you know, I agree, you know, and, and apparently even this house call, like that we're talking about tonight, you know, without that research, we've got nowhere. We go nowhere. We go nowhere. And I mean, that's great. That's why we have Dean to research um, for us when we're out there because, you know, if I'm getting nothing, you know, I can't guarantee that a spirit or entity is going to want to talk to me. I mean, they don't have to if they don't want to, you know. And so in this case, this, this guy didn't want to. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, Dean is starting to buy his own equipment and wants to come on investigations with us as well. Uh, but he's also a researcher. So one of the things that I did, which not, you know, we haven't, you know, we don't share much about our equipment yet with the public, which we probably should. Um, we run Surface Pros uh, for editing and different stuff. Uh, and also so we can immediately, you know, show somebody their video of what's happening in their house that we've caught while we're there with them. And, um, one of the problems we had is some places we don't have Wi-Fi, um, right. or whatever. And so this past week, um, I ditched all our old ones and I got two new ones that are cellular and they're both on their own plans now. Uh, so now wherever we go, Dean can research on the fly with us. So hey, that's awesome. And, you know, I mean, we wouldn't have really known that that's something that we needed until we did what the first house call. Yeah, that first one was, yeah. That was a, a weird issue, because, like, we could hotspot our phones, which is what I was trying to do, and it kept disconnecting every time I walked too far from it, and, you know, that's discouraging. 
Um, so I, I think, you know, this, this method works better for everyone. Plus even on the road in the car, you know, exactly. you know, or whatever. I don't know if he gets car sick, but you know, uh, well, I mean, hopefully by then we have like a little minibus or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, like right now we're caravanning everyone where it's just kind of cool. I mean, that's another thing we should tell about the story. I guess that morning we almost scrubbed. What was that? That's another thing we should talk about with this. Uh, that morning, we almost scrubbed Jerome entirely uh, because the weather turned and it was snowing. Uh, yep. And it was snowing so bad that, like, you couldn't really see very far, but it wasn't sticking. Um, and so we decided to go anyway. And we got 15 minutes outside of Boise and it was clear skies. I know. <clears throat> like, that was amazing. And what's actually funny... Um, when we came back, um, two days later, or maybe it was only a day, I can't remember, it switched. It was nice over here, and it was snowing over there. <laughs> um, just really weird how the weather works here. <clears throat> I mean, it's fun to do that, but I think, you know, as a team, I mean, definitely having, like, our own van or, I don't know, trailer with beds to sleep in, something like that. It's going to be beneficial for us to do, you know, our, our traveling series episodes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially, like, even these house calls. Like, if we're going to be out till 4 or 5 in the morning at somebody's house three hours away, you know, uh, it'd probably be beneficial to at least sleep in shifts, you know, yeah. and be able to do that versus, hey, let's go camp out in our car. <laughs> um, Jerome was very nice. He did offer us to stay there, uh, even though we didn't end up being there that late. But he did offer, which was really nice. Yeah, that was really that was really kind of him. I mean, that's not something that we, you know, expect for the house owners to, you know, give us a bed or feed us or anything like that. Like all that stuff, we take care of on our own. Um, but that was really kind. So it would be nice to eventually get there. And so that's, I mean, that's definitely our goal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think that about wraps up our episode on the Hopping House. Yeah, that was, I mean, I can't wait to show everybody all of that. Um, you guys can find us on different platforms. It's all 28 Paranormal. We have TikTok, Instagram. We've got our Facebook group page. We also have our Facebook business page. Am I missing any? Our um, YouTube channel? Um. Yeah, I think uh, that about covers it. Oh, uh, did you say TikTok? I I, I can't I did remember. Say TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> we have did so many TikTok. platforms. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere you go, two hundred eight paranormal. Yep, and so I'm Monica, and this is Dawn. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you guys take care, and we will be sure to put out more content for you in the near future. Have a good night, guys.